We're going to read, we're going to read Exodus 6, right to 7, verse 6. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh, because my mighty hand, he will let them go, because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of his country. God also said to Moses, I am the Lord. I appear to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself fully known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, where they resided as foreigners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the Israelites, whom the Egyptians are enslaving, and I have remembered my covenant. Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. Moses reported this to the Israelites, but they did not listen to him because of their discouragement and harsh labor. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the Israelites go out of his country. But Moses said to the Lord, if the Israelites will not listen to me, why would Pharaoh listen to me since I speak with faltering lips? Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron about the Israelites and Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he commanded them to bring the Israelites out of Egypt. These were the heads of the families. The sons of Reuben, the firstborn son of Israel, were Hanok and Palu, Hezron and Kami. These were the clans of Reuben. The sons of Simeon were Jemuel, Jamin, Ohad, Yakin, Zohar, and Shal, the son of a Canaanite woman. These were the clans of Simeon. These were the names of the sons of Levi according to their records Gershon, Kohath, and Merari. Levi lived 137 years. The sons of Gershon by clans were Libni and Shimei. The sons of Kobat were Emram, Ishar, Hebron, and Uziel. Kobat lived 133 years. The sons of Merari were Meli and Mushi. They were the clans of Levi according to their records. Emram married his father's sister, Jochebed, who bore him Aaron and Moses. Emram lived 137 years. The sons of Isher were Korah, Nefech, and Sikri. The sons of Ushiel were Michael, Esapan, and Sithri. Aaron married Elishaba, daughter of Emenah, Anamidab, and sister of Nation. And she bore him Nahab and Abihu, Elisha, and Ithamar. The sons of Korah were Esser, Elkanah, and Abiasaf. These were the 
lens. Eliezer, son of Aaron, married one of the daughters of Putiel, and she bore him Phineas. These were the heads of the Levite families, clan by clan. It was this Aaron and Moses to whom the Lord said, bring the Israelites out of Egypt by their divisions. They were the ones who spoke to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, about bringing the Israelites out of Egypt, the same Moses and Aaron. Now, when the Lord spoke to Moses in Egypt, he said to them, I am the Lord, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, everything I tell you. But Moses said to the Lord, since I speak with faltering lips, why would Pharaoh listen to me? Then the Lord said to Moses, see, I've made you like God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron will be your prophet. You are to say everything I command you, and your brother Aaron is to tell Pharaoh to let the Israelites go out of this country. But I will harden Pharaoh's hearts, and though I multiply my signs and wonders in Egypt, he will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt, and with a mighty hand, no, and with mighty acts of judgment, I will bring out my divisions, my people the Israelites. And Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I stretch my hand against Egypt and bring the Israelites out of it. Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord commanded them. Thank you, Corey. You did a great job. <laughs> All right, um, let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your grace to us in Jesus. Thank you that you love us and that you rule over everything. Thank you that uh, you have a plan A and um, that you always stick to that plan. Thank you that nothing takes you by surprise and um, help us, Lord, to see how that's true here in Exodus and ultimately how that's true in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray that you would be with us by your Holy Spirit to help us understand your word and to change us and shape us and make us more like Christ for his glory. Amen. All right, so uh, my name's Jared. Nice to meet you. If I haven't met you before, if I have met you, great to see you again. Uh, so I, I, um, I want to start by talking about plans. So who, who here has made plans before? Yep, great. Um, and have you ever had like a backup plan? So, so maybe like you, you have a plan A, um, but then things didn't quite work out as you'd anticipated. Um, and so you had, to, you had to adopt plan B or C or D or E. <laughs> or F, or so on. Has anyone had that experience? Yeah, great. So, I had that experience yesterday. Um, <laughs> uh, as some of you may know, uh, I have tried cutting my own hair at different times in my life. I was happy last time because no one noticed. That's how you know it went well. Uh, this time, <laughs> I don't normally wear a beanie. I'm not just like one of those cool pastors who wears a beanie. <laughs> Although I was like, oh, I quite like wearing a beanie, but anyway, um, I, I tried cutting my hair. It started to go wrong. Uh, it, this is definitely not plan A. It's not plan B or plan C either. Um, and so more and more had to come off. At one point, I got Kelsha to help me. And then I was just like, no, nah, this has just got to go. <laughs> so, so that's why I, I don't have any hair on my head right now. You can feel it if you want to later. Um, but the, the, and I was, I, there was one point when I was standing there and I'd, I'd, I was looking in the mirror and I was just like, oh, what's happened? And then it just dawned on me that my title for my sermon tomorrow is Plan A. And I was just like, <laughs> this is just gold. I was like, thank you, Lord. Yeah, so this is very funny. <laughs> and, um, and hopefully it'll be a good way for us to remember. Um, you remember that time our pastor shaved his head? Well, hopefully that'll remind us that God always sticks to Plan A and unlike 
Jared, who uh, sometimes adopts a plan B, C or D or so on. God always sticks with plan A. So today in, in this passage in Exodus, we see God keep to his plan A. We see him keep to the plan that he's been communicating to the people from way back. And now they, they just they see him once again reiterate, say, say what his plan is, uh, to, to say that um, I am the Lord. That's his identity. Um, that's his name, Yahweh, has to do with who he is. Uh, he is the, the eternal self-existent one. He is who he is. He's not dependent on anyone else. Everyone's dependent on him. That's our great glorious God. So he, he says that I am the Lord. That's, that's reaffirming his identity. And he tells them that he's the, the Lord who is the God who made himself known to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob uh, and established his covenant with them. That, that binding promise relationship that, that Yahweh has with Israel is, um, is that, that relationship that, that's been spoken of here. Uh, that promise to, to give them a land, to give them blessing, to make them into a great nation, and that they would have uh, this beautiful relationship with God where they would be his people and he would be their God. There's an intimacy of that relationship there. Uh, and they, they, they get that closeness with God promised to them here. And, and we also see in verse 5 of chapter 6 that God hears their groaning. He's not indifferent to the cries of the suffering of his people, but he hears the difficulty. He sees the, the slavery that the Egyptians are making them work under. And he, he, has, he has compassion on them and, um, and he, is, he has remembered his covenant. He's, he hasn't forgotten. Plan A hasn't gone out of the window. Plan A is still plan A. And even when things start to look like they're going not to plan A, uh, God is still, is still keeping his plan. He's still keeping his promise. It's going to happen in his timing. So, so God then, with that uh, reiteration of, of who he is and what he's going to do, I am the Lord, I'm Yahweh, I am who I am, and I'm, I'm going to keep my covenant, I'm going to keep my promise to rescue the people. He then tells Moses that I want you to go and tell the people of Israel. I want you, Moses, to go and tell them uh, the same things that I've just told you, um, and to tell them to tell them who I am, because uh, if you if you read earlier, um, it says that by my name in verse in verse three, by my name the Lord Yahweh, I did not make myself known to them. Talking about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and so for the people of Israel, they know that their God is the God of the Hebrews, but here Moses is saying to them, this God is the Lord Yahweh, and and the book of Exodus is full of God revealing who He is, God's name particularly, and His power that's in His name going forth. At this point, the Israelites, they don't know that power. The, 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 the Egyptians got no idea who the Lord is. And even Moses here in today's passage is, is showing he's kind of quaking in his boots, not really trusting in the Lord, um, and he's kind of scared. So God says to, to Moses to say to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, this is verse 6, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. Now, if you've read much of the Old Testament, uh, there's a whole bunch of times where God says, I'm the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, who brought you out of the house of slavery. Here, this is, this is before that happened, and so it's pointing towards that coming reality. But then throughout the rest of the Old Testament, God keeps referring back to this, this rescue mission he does for the people of Israel. And he says, that's who I am. I'm the Lord who rescued you out of slavery in Egypt. And so he's telling Moses, go and tell my people, the Israelites, these truths. Go and tell them uh, that, that I will rescue you. 
it's not it's not like all hopes lost. I mean, last chapter, everything seemed to just be going wrong. It definitely didn't seem like Plan A was happening. They 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 went to to ask Ferry to let the people go, and they they got made to to have bigger burdens and more more harsh working conditions. Um, and and Moses at the end of the last chapter was kind of scratching his head, like Lord, you've said to go and do this, but ever since I've done this, nothing good's happened. Like why why did you why did you even send me? Um, and so we see here God saying, I want you to go and tell them that plan A is still plan A. I'm still going to rescue you guys. And I haven't given up on you. I haven't forgotten my covenant. I am who I am. Uh, the, the, the fact that the Lord never changes tells us that he's trustworthy and, and faithful and true. It's not like he's moved this way and that way by, by the wind or whatever. No, he is constant and solid and, and he, he will do what he will do. He says in verse 7, uh, I will take you to be my people and I will be your God and you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. And so these, these, these amazing words of who God is and what God will do for them, Moses is to, to take to, to the people. And if you, if you remember those words that Paul read earlier in Revelation, they echo these words, uh, these, these covenant promised words that God gives of, I will be your God and you will be my people. I will dwell with you. Those, those, those very intimate, personal, closely related uh, words that God gives, he gives here to the people uh, in Exodus, but he also gives them to us later. And we'll, we'll talk about that later. But Moses is to go and take, take the message to the Israelites. Plan A is still plan A. Don't worry that Pharaoh is getting you to try and make more bricks, more of the same number of bricks with no straw and, you know, all of that stuff. Plan A is still plan A. Go and tell them. God knows. God, God is who he is and he's going to rescue you. So Moses takes that message to them. He takes the message of, of, of God and his rescue to the people of Israel. And he says it to them. And, and, and then we read what happens in verse 9. But before we read that, <clears throat> just remember the bitter conditions the people of Israel were in. They were in severe, harsh slavery. This was, this was absolutely awful persecution they were facing at the hands of the Egyptian regime from that time. And it says this, Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel, plan A is still plan A, but they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. So the people, because of, of the, the, the dire circumstances they found themselves in, they didn't listen to Moses. They thought, no, that can't be right. It, it can't still be plan A. It can't still be that God is going to rescue us out of Egypt because look what happened when we, when we started moving in that direction. Everything seemed to go wrong. Nothing, nothing seemed to go right. The, 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 the very move of saying to Pharaoh, hey, look, we, we need to go. Uh, Pharaoh's like, no way. We're going to make it way harder for you guys. So no, Moses, like, you know, that's a nice idea and all, but I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, you're a bit of an idealist. Maybe it was from your time in Egypt. You know, like, wh who, wh why, you just don't get it. Like, do you, do you understand what, what it's like being a slave in Egypt and being forced to make these bricks and being beaten and not even given straw to make bricks? That kind of thing. They, they, are, they are broken in their spirit. They, 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 they're basically hopeless. They, they, they're finding themselves uh, in, a, in, a, in a super difficult situation, that's for sure but they're finding themselves not wanting to believe um, the words that God has given to them through Moses because of the situation they find themselves in. <clears throat> so the Lord said to Moses, this is in verse 10, Go in, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, 
to let the people of Israel go out of his land. Now, this is, this is interesting because you see Moses' reaction to this. But Moses said to the Lord, Behold, the people of Israel have not listened to me. How then shall Pharaoh listen to me? For I have um, of uncircumcised lips. So what Moses says here is, look, it didn't work with Israel. Like, how on earth is it going to work with Pharaoh? Like, what hope do I have of going to the king of Egypt and saying to him, hey, so I need to, to get the whole slaves. We've got to go. You know, it's a, three days. Don't worry about it. We'll be back. Kind of like the, that kind of conversation. There's no way me going to tell Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, the ruler of the superpower, that I need to take all of these Israelites out of there um, and that we need to go and worship the Lord, that that's going to go well. Even the people of Israel didn't listen to me. Even the people for whom this was good news, they didn't want to bar of it. So why would Pharaoh be like, oh yeah, sure. Especially because just in the previous chapter, when I went and spoke to Pharaoh, he made everything harder for everyone. Uh, surely it's just going to be the same again. Why, why would I go and speak to Pharaoh? And, and also, I'm not very good at speaking. Just to, to, to remind you, like this is because he said at the beginning to, to God, look, I, this, I'm the wrong guy for the job. Send someone else. It's not me. Don't worry about it. Um, and, and now here we've got again, Moses is doing the same thing. You remember last time? God made himself known in the burning bush. I am the Lord. I am who I am. He reveals his name, Yahweh. And Moses is like, no, no, not me, not me, not me. Send someone else. Here again, we've got the same thing. And it's, and it's like Moses is, is like, I, I'm not the guy. I'm, I'm not the one that should be on this mission. I've, I'm of uncircumcised lips. That's an interesting expression. Um, it has to do with uh, him, him sort of viewing the, himself as not uh, being the kind of person who is set apart for, for talking. For, he's like, how, how can I do this? How can I talk for God? Remember, circumcision is like the sign and seal of God's covenant on his people that marks them out as distinct from everyone. And Moses kind of feels weak and ill-qualified for the role. Like, you know, who am I? You know, I, I didn't even grow up with these guys. You know, I'm, I'm of uncircumcised lips. I grew up in Egypt with the, in Pharaoh's house. And, you know, my identity is all a bit mixed and weird. And the way that I speak I, I can't even speak in a way that the people of Israel get and come on board with. How am I going to be able to speak in a way that Pharaoh is going to be on board with when I'm representing the interests of the Israelite people? So he's like, I'm of uncircumcised lips. They, these people are not going to want to listen to me. Uh, but then we see in verse 13, plan A is still plan A. But the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a charge about the people of Israel and about Pharaoh, king of Egypt to bring the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt. I love that God is, is not swayed at all by Moses' uh, attempts to, to kind of uh, say, no, let, let's, let's do a different plan, you know, not, not this one. Um, don't send me, send someone else. Um, I'm not the guy. Uh, God is not swayed by that at all. No, God, God then charges Moses and Aaron, no, I, I charge you to go and, and speak uh, to to. And, and to go and bring the people of Israel out of Egypt. I'm going to use you. And, and that's, that's been God's plan from, from the beginning. Um, and so we have this interesting uh, section there in the middle where we've got a genealogy, um, which is kind of like the family tree of Moses and Aaron. Um, we're not going to get too into that, um, but it is important that it's there. There's a few reasons why it's important that it's there. One is it shows us uh, that it's historically reliable, that we have, uh, this is a real Moses and a real Aaron, and they're from a real family, and, and you can see who they actually are. And it's like, you know, this is the family tree. These guys are real historical guys. 
with real families. Um, and here they are. But not only does it show you who exactly they are there, it also helps point out something about Moses and Aaron's line. If you look in there, there's a lot of stuff about Levi and, and there's a lot of stuff about priests as well. Essentially, a lot of priests um, in, in, in that kind of line. And so you go, huh. So, so God, in, in, in this section, has decided sovereignly to put this in his word and say, I'm going to say this. Um, why would he put this genealogy in here? Well, I think it shows us that Aaron and Moses are from a priestly line. And, and that actually Moses is not of uncircumcised lips. Because Moses, after this, again, um, says in verse 30, after the Lord tells him to go and say to Pharaoh, he says, Behold, I am of uncircumcised lips. How will Pharaoh listen to me? So he said that before the genealogy. He says that after the genealogy. And it's like Moses is basically like, I'm not the guy. I don't have the right kind of like background to be this person to go and take this message I'm not really the like priestly kind of person and God puts in the genealogy that shows yes yes you are <laughs> this is this is I've chosen you for this task I've given you the the you're the you're the person that I've that I've put in this task and that that's that's true for Moses there he has and and Aaron too he's put him there on purpose for his purpose to bring about his plan in the way that God has has designed and so Moses is insecurities and feelings of, of weakness uh, will not prevent God from accomplishing his plan. God will still accomplish his plan and he uses those uh, in the world who are the weak things of the world to shame the wise. That's, that's how God operates. And so here, after this, we see in verse 26, uh, it says, these are the Aaron and Moses to whom the Lord said, bring out the people of Israel from the land of Egypt by their hosts. These are the guys, these are the guys who've been called to that. It was they who spoke to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, about bringing out the people of Israel from Egypt. This Moses and Aaron. So yes, they are going to do what God says they're going to do. And then 28, on this day when the Lord spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt, the Lord said to Moses, I am the Lord. You notice that again. Here's my identity. I am Yahweh. That's my name. You're not doing this in your own strength. You're doing it in my name. This is, this is what you're doing because I'm calling you to do this. This is, this is not something that... It's just your mission, Moses. It's, no, this is my mission that I'm using you for. I'm, I'm going to work my plan A, and it, it will include you, Moses and Aaron. I am the Lord. This is identity. Tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, all that I say to you. Um, tell him everything. Everything I tell you, I want you to tell Pharaoh. Uh, why? Uh, well, let, let's let, we'll check that in a minute. But firstly, we see then Moses' objection. His objection, which is actually not really uh, substantiated in any way by looking at his genealogy. No, Moses, you're, you're not of uncircumcised lips. No, you're, you're actually, you are a Hebrew of Hebrews. You, you might have grown up in Egypt, but you, you're an Israelite, Moses. And you're the one that I've chosen to, to, to bring the people out of Egypt. And I will accomplish my, my plans. And so the Lord says to Moses in 7.1, See, I have made you like God to Pharaoh. And that's what he said about how uh, earlier God, God said to, to Moses, I've made you like God to Aaron. Uh, and if you remember back, that was kind of God gives Moses the words, his words, and then Moses says those to Aaron. And so it's like Aaron is hearing from God. And the same is true here with, with, with Pharaoh. Pharaoh is going to hear the voice of God as Moses speaks what God has spoken to Moses. And so uh, he says, you shall speak in verse two, all that I command you, 
and, and also Aaron is going to be the prophet in the previous verse. And then your brother Aaron shall tell Pharaoh to let the people of Israel go out of his land. So God is going to keep using Moses and Aaron. He's going to keep his plan A, his plan A. Um, and remember, Moses' objection up to this point is, how, how will Pharaoh listen to me? I'm, I'm, I, don't, I can't speak well. I, I'm actually not set apart for this. How is Pharaoh going to listen to me? The Israelites didn't listen to me. How will Pharaoh listen to me? Um, this is surely not going to plan. Interestingly, then in verse 3, God says, but I will harden Pharaoh's heart. And though I multiply my signs and wonders in the land of Egypt, Pharaoh will not listen to you. So Moses is going, so you told me, oh, there's no hair there. <laughs> That's funny. Um, he's telling me, uh, Moses is saying, I, Pharaoh's not going to listen to me. And God says to him, yeah, that's right. Pharaoh's not going to listen to you. And that's all part of the plan. Like that's, that's, that's plan A. And Moses is like, what, what's, what's going on? This seems, this seems like a fool's errand. Like, why would you send me to go to tell him to send the people out of Egypt when, when, they're, when he's actually not going to want to let them, let them go? And then we get to the crux of it. Through this process, God is going to make his name known. His name, Yahweh, which he has revealed to Moses, which has been revealed to the people of Israel, is going to be made known throughout the world. His fame is going to go beyond Egypt, beyond Israel, into the ends of the earth. This is Yahweh, the creator of the world, the ruler over everything, the one who has all power. His name, his fame is going to go out. Say with me uh, in, in there in verse 4. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt and bring my hosts, my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great acts of judgment. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord, when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring out the people of Israel from among them. The Egyptians will know that I'm the Lord. Right now, the, the people of Israel, they're kind of like not really knowing that he's the Lord. Moses is kind of doubting, but even the Egyptians are going to know. It's going to be the in, inescapable conclusion after looking at what God's about to do, that he is the Lord, that he has all power, and that he's the one that we need to be listening to. That's going to be the inescapable conclusion. And then Moses and Aaron did so in verse 6, just as the Lord had commanded them. And Moses was 80 years old and Aaron 83 years old when they spoke to Pharaoh. They went to Pharaoh. They spoke to him. We'll, we will see that more following in, in, in the following weeks. Um, yes, but, but right now what we're looking at is how God's plan A continues to be his plan A. Do you see that there? There's, there's, there's all of these things that seem to be going wrong, that don't seem to be working out. Like, you know, the people of Israel w weren't listening. Pharaoh wasn't going to listen. But that is actually all part of God's plan. It's all part of God's overarching plan to bring about his purposes. And, and here we see, well, why is he doing that? It's to glorify his name, to, to bring his name the honor and praise it deserves, and to have compassion on his people. It's beautiful, isn't it? God's, God's great fame going forward in, in the world and his rescue mission of his people. That's, that's what our God looks like. He, he is Yahweh, the, the one who made all things, who rules all things, the one who made his covenant with Abraham and has brought that covenant to fulfillment in Jesus Christ. This is our God. That's who he is. And what has he done? He acted to save the people of Israel. 
I won't get into all of the details of that today because we'll get into that in further weeks. But God has acted to save the people of Israel. And not only has he acted to save them, but he's acted to save us too. And he's done that in Jesus Christ. And when you look at Jesus and you look at his life and you see his compassion and his love and his care for people, what an amazing, loving person he is. How, how, how did he continually show compassion and love to people? It's because he's God and it's because he's perfect. I mean, we, we, we fail at that every day, don't we? There are so many things that we, we, we fall short at. Jesus never fell short. Perfect in every way, loving in every way, kind in every way. What a beautiful, beautiful person he is. The kind, loving ruler who is God himself come to rescue us. And that plan A, continuing to be plan A, is, is, is true and we see it most clearly in Jesus. We see things in his life that seem to be just going increasingly, increasingly wrong. We think, how can this be God's plan? You know, him being betrayed, him being handed over, given a horrible trial that wasn't just in any way, then murdered, um, the only truly innocent man ever to have lived, murdered by the mob, and, and then put, yeah, put on a cross. And we think, how? How can this be plan A? How, how is that possible? But in God's great love, his wisdom, his insight, his understanding, his rule, his plan, his power, he planned the very event that was simultaneously the worst act of human evil ever and the most amazing act of God's grace and love. And that's what the cross is of our Lord Jesus, that he died a death that we deserved so that we could be reconciled to God. What a beautiful and gracious and kind, loving God he is. And that's what plan A looks like. Plan A doesn't mean everything goes to, to Jared's plan A or any of our plan A, but it goes to God's plan A. And even though things are going to be tough and there's going to be challenges and trials in our lives and things that, that get difficult and things seem like things are not going wrong, it seem like they are going wrong because in a lot of ways things do go wrong. God is still on the throne. He's still keeping his plan and he will accomplish his purposes. And we see that in Jesus Christ. Uh, there's a beautiful verse in Acts chapter 2, uh, which, which, captures, uh, which captures this, this reality uh, that this Jesus uh, whom you crucified. So uh, this is uh, in, in, in Acts 2.22, and I'll read that a little bit there. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. As you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. See that plan A, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. What awesome truths those are. Let's come to God together in prayer. Father in heaven, we praise you. We thank you. You are glorious. You rule over everything. We thank you that you do keep to your plan A, that nothing uh, takes you by surprise, nothing throws you off, nothing makes you uh, uh, wonder what's going on because you know all things. You, you have all power and you've planned everything. And we thank you that in your great, amazing love, you planned uh, the, the, the cross of Jesus Christ to rescue sinners like us. Lord, we turn to you. We ask for your forgiveness for our sin, for our shortcoming. Uh, we ask for your mercy, Lord. And we thank you 
uh, that, that just like, like we see in Exodus, where you keep your plan A is always your plan A. That's true in Jesus Christ. And that's true even now, uh, where we know and we live in anticipation of Jesus' return. Lord, as we enter the Advent period, help us to, to remember, but not only now, but always, Lord, that you, Jesus, you are coming back and, um, and that you haven't forgotten us, that you are still on the throne, that you rule now. There's meaning to all of the things that we're going through. And ultimately, it will all be for your glory and for our good. And we thank you for this, Jesus, in your precious name. Amen.